may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right. Good morning, everyone. It is six o'clock, and welcome to Strength to Strength this morning. So uh, today we're going to be um, having a Bible study. Uh, brother Darwin Martin is on here. He is also my uh, biological brother, so I'm honored to have him with us to share this morning. Uh, Darwin and I both live in um, central Massachusetts, and um, so we're happy to be uh, part of the same fellowship. Uh, Darwin and his family, he has a wife and eight children, and so um, yeah, that's a little bit about him. He can introduce himself further if he chooses to, but the topic this morning is called In My Father's House Are Many Mansions, taken from John chapter 14. So um, yeah, I think we'll Turn the time over to him, and uh, Darwin, maybe if you want to just open with a word of prayer, and the time is yours. Sure, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you have given to us your son, Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Teach us what it means, Jesus, to abide in you. Teach us what it means to walk with you in spirit, to worship you in spirit and in truth. As you were discussing uh, what we're about to read this morning, you were discussing that with the disciples, Jesus. I pray that you would once again open our understanding. Help us to understand and answer our questions. And we lean on you, Father, because you have, you have given all things that pertain to life and godliness, which we want to, um, and, and to you we want to come knowing that you are our resource, our, our stay, our security, and our, ident- and our identity. So may you just bless this talk and I pray that your spirit might lead us into the truth this morning and help us to learn something that can cause us to um, increase in hope and walk more closely with you and in the fulfillment of your will. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us here, brothers and sisters. The discussion that we would like to have this morning is around this verse that is very um, well known. In my father's house are many mansions. And I want to just read these two verses. It say, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if we were to put these verses in their context, there would be about five chapters that we would need to read everywhere from John chapter 13, approximately, through 17. And we don't have time for that reading this morning, but I would like to take the time to read a little bit over one chapter, because I believe that to get the context of this is very important. By writing this experience here, the Apostle John, I believe, invites us to to listen in on what must have been one of the most intimate conversations between Jesus and his disciples. You will notice as we read that the disciples had many different questions about what Jesus was presenting. Sometimes we have our questions as well. And and would to God that he would once again open our understanding to, to the message that that uh, was given here. You will notice an overarching theme 
First, that Jesus is going away. Second, that he is coming again. And this recurs many times throughout this passage, which you will see. I want you to also pay attention as we read to the many specific promises or predictions or prophecies uh, that Jesus gave of what was about to come. So let's start in the book of John, chapter 13. And the setting here is at the Lord's Supper. After washing the disciples' feet and having a little interchange there, Judas Iscariot was eventually uh, dismissed from, from the room. And so I'm going to pick up reading in verse 31, immediately after Judas left the assembly. Reading from the ESV, when he had gone out, this is Judas, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does, the, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will, and I will love him, manifest myself to him. Judas, n- not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So we're focused on the verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. And there are scores of English songs that have uh, played on the imagery of the many mansions. And no doubt many of these are familiar with Uh, to you. You know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, in mansions of glory and endless delight. My Lord has told of a mansion that I'll inherit someday. There's a mansion in God's house that Jesus keeps for me. He's building mansions on Hallelujah Square. Mansion is waiting in glory. My Savior has gone to prepare. In my Father's house are mansions fair for the sons of earth who gather there. And unfortunately, you can probably add to to this list yourself. But but unlike the imagery of going to uh, a mansion in our future life, inheriting some mansion there, I believe that what Jesus described in these verses has already been fulfilled. And every believer since Pentecost ought to be living in this reality. Let me explain. I want to explain this in in four parts. And first of all, let's look at the prophecies of Christ. I was highlighting some of those as as I read. And we won't look at nearly all of them, though, though we could. But let's take a look at the prophecies of Christ and think about were these things that Jesus uh, predicted or promised or prophesied, were they fulfilled in the lifetime? Of the disciples. Let's take a look at this one first of all. Jesus said, and we read this, he said this specifically to Peter Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Now, this must have sounded very strange to Peter because the reason Peter was with Jesus in the first place was specifically that Jesus had come to him and said, Follow me. And Peter's following of Jesus and the other disciples following Jesus was very intentional. At one time, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, we have left all and followed you. And another time, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross 
and follow me. So it must have been very strange to hear what Jesus said, that where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. So we should ask the question, did, did Peter ever follow Jesus afterward? Well, indeed he did. And this was after the resurrection. Jesus appeared to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, I believe it was. And Jesus addressed Peter specifically, and he said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And as you know, the rest of Peter's life was a dedicated following Jesus, even to his death. Let's look at another one. We've read this as well, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. So, what was Jesus speaking of here? A little while and the world will see me no more. I believe that it's a correct understanding. That the last time that the world saw Jesus was at his crucifixion. That was it. But, who saw Christ after his resurrection? To my knowledge, it was only believers. It was Mary at the tomb. It was the disciples in the locked room. It was the disciples eight days later when Thomas was with them as well. It was later the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. <clears throat> there was, it was with two disciples while traveling to Emmaus. And the book of Acts records this, that he presented himself alive to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul elaborates on this in 1 Corinthians 15, where he recounts different appearances of Jesus to various individuals, one time of which it says that Jesus appeared to 500 brothers at once. So indeed, a little while, the world did not see Jesus and yet the disciples did see Jesus again. Here's another one. Verse 16 of chapter 14, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Did this ever happen? Did the disciples ever receive the helper? Well, again, after the resurrection, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then, no doubt of most significance, after his ascension, uh, there was Pentecost, where Jesus uh, gave, where the Holy Spirit came in power to uh, a group of of disciples who were gathered. And, and why do I mention these different prophecies? It's, it's only to demonstrate that throughout the context of, of this discussion, the things that Jesus predicted did come to pass in the lifetime of his disciples. And it's no different with this passage where he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The, the context would strongly suggest that this passage was also fulfilled, like the others, in the lifetime of the disciples. So now let's take a look at the words, my father's house. What did the disciples most likely understand by this, by this phrase? Father's house. Well, for all of Israel's history, uh, ever, ever since leaving the land of Egypt, 
the, the Father would come, the presence and the glory of God would come to a specific place. That was the tabernacle, first of all, and later it was the temple. This was the place where God dwelt with man. And David was, was ec ecstatic about this. And many times in the Psalms, he, he um, anticipates the, or he has this longing for being in the house of God. Let me just give you a few examples. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What was the house of the Lord? He, he wanted to live in the presence of where, where God was with his people. He wanted to like, live there all the days of his life. Oh, Lord, I love the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. What was, what was David talking about? The house of the Lord was the temple. It, was the, it used to be the tabernacle. Now it was the, it was the temple. And, and, and remember, David had this desire, a passionate desire to build a temple for God to dwell in. But there's something about this temple, and that is that it, the most holy place in it is where God would specifically come. But it was restricted access. Only the, only the high priest could enter there, you know, once a year with a sacrifice to enter the, the actual presence of God. So, while the, while the Israelites could witness the glory of God and they could recognize the presence of God, they could not really enter in. And this is uh, typical. This is a type of, of what uh, of Jesus' ministry to us later. Hebrews explains it this way, that Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So as the high priest would enter the most holy place, so Jesus entered heaven, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Jesus is our high priest. But that's not the end of the story. What is Jesus saying about the many mansions? Now, this word is um, this word that's translated mansions in the King James comes from the Greek word mone. And I'm certainly not a Greek scholar, but I was able to figure out that this word only occurs twice in the entire New Testament and significantly. Both of those times is in the same conversation in chapter 14 of John. Basically, it means an abode. It's a, it's a residence. And whatever we think about mansions today was not the, you know, does not characterize what, what um, you know, mansions meant, I believe, to the, to the translators. You know, it's simply a, a much more modest understanding of of a room there's different ways it gets translated in fact so um i have three of them here the geneva bible which is older than the king james simply translates this word as dwelling places king james calls it mansions and the modern esv refers to it as rooms well it, you know, it'd be, it'd be important for us to look at this second and final occurrence of, of this word in the passage. In verse 23, Jesus said this, if anyone loves me, pay attention to the criterion. If anyone loves me, 
he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, Jesus and the Father, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Right there it is. Jesus and the Father will come and make their mansion with the one who loves and keeps his word. They will come and dwell with, Geneva says. They will make their abode with, King James says, or make their home with. This is the same word as mansions. And hopefully by looking at these different renderings, we can get the idea of what Jesus is expressing here. And if it sounds to you like it sounds to me, this is not some future life experience of inheriting a, a glittering mansion, but rather this sounds like heaven coming to earth to me because the Father and the Son will come and make their abode with the one who loves and keeps Jesus' word. Did this happen? How did the many mansions become fulfilled? Well, we're in, we're, you know, whereas the old covenant had a single dwelling place of God, in the new covenant, at Pentecost, the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon all the disciples there, depicted no less than the tongue of fire on, on their head. I don't know if that was uh, representative of the Shekinah glory of the tabernacle or not, but it sure reminds me of something similar to that. The one tabernacle, one abode, to many abodes. Let's look at how this correlates with other scriptures. God, God in you, God's abode in you. Because we might ask the question, well, what is the, what is the continuity between the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost and verse 23 that we read where Jesus said, I will make, I mean, we will come to him and make our abode with him. Well, Jesus says this in the same context, but earlier than what we had read before. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Well, who did Jesus send? Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And those who receive the Holy Spirit receive Christ. And those who receive Christ receive the Father. We read this too, that Jesus would send the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So presently, he dwells with you. And in the future, he will be in you. This already was introduced to the woman at the well. When Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And Paul picks up on this as well in 1 Corinthians 6 when he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And I don't have these verses written down, but you also remember that Jesus referred to himself as a temple. When he said, destroy this temple, three days it will be raised up again. And Peter also referred to his body as, as a tabernacle, a place where God would dwell, a, a place where God dwell. So the place has been prepared. Now let's look at this verse again, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So let's think about this phrase Prepare a place for you. How did that happen? 
Well, Matthew records a striking account at Jesus' death. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. This is a great significance. The curtain, the curtain that shut off from the world, the presence of God in the most holy place, that curtain was rent when Jesus died. And this was only a short time after Jesus promised that he is going to prepare a place for you. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How do we know that he who promised is faithful? Well, on many counts, but not the least of which, Jesus just got done answering to Thomas. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Hebrews explains that this is the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And we are to follow that way. Though we could not follow before, we can follow after. Because this has been, because this place has been prepared. Let's look at this little phrase, where I am. Jesus said that where I am, you may be also. Where is that? Well, again, taken from strictly from the immediate context, Jesus explained it at least three times. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That was in verse 10. Verse 11 says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And in verse 20, he says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father. What was unique about Jesus' life from all the rest of the people around? It was that he was one with the Father. He was in communion with the Father. There you may be also. So the abode has been prepared. Abode is a noun. And the whole, you know, a large part of the following chapter, chapter 15, Jesus describes this, to abide, to abide in the vine. So since the abode has been prepared, let us, let us now abide in him. And whoever says, John says this in, in 1 John 2, whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And this would be, you know, a lifetime of topics to, to explore and to learn and to grow into walking as Jesus walked. I believe that's our desire. But one example of that, that I think we dare not pass up, is given to us in John 6, 38, where Jesus expressed this. This is how he walked. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And that is a key. I believe that's a key for us, a key for me to follow the way of Jesus is to give up my own will. What, you know, my, what my will is ultimately isn't important, but to surrender that and to do the will of Christ, to do the will of, of our Father.
how can we do this? Now, sometimes we feel so helpless, and sometimes we feel like this is such a far-off reality. Listen to this. Paul is just rejoicing in Ephesians chapter 1 when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice that. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been given to us. Peter says something similar when he says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How does this even work itself out? Just a few more verses, these taken from the book of Romans, chapter 8. Paul says that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, notice that, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, so, so you notice that the Spirit is the helper. The Spirit is even the helper to put to death the, de- to put to death the flesh. The Spirit is also the helper even as we pray. Because you rec- remember that scripture that is given in the Old Testament, that my house should be called a house of prayer. And, and to, to walk in this reality of God's presence is to be a praying people. Like Jesus said, you will ask what you will and it will be done. This is not the kind of prayer that is to consume upon our own lusts, but this is the kind of prayer that seeks to be at one with the will of God and to pray the things that he wills. And sometimes we don't know how to pray, but Paul says that the Spirit This is the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So rather than, you know, looking for a future life mansion, whatever that may may have meant uh, in, you know, in the imagery of some of those songs that we talked about, Let us adopt a prayer like this. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Darwin, for for sharing. We'd like to open it up here in just a moment for um, questions from the audience here. So uh, if you want to be prepared for that, I was just, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for sharing. And I think you made a compelling case there, uh, especially when I was thinking of um, the one verse that you had read there, uh, where Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I think that answers a lot of questions that answers um, what it means to walk as, as Jesus walked. So, yeah. Um, who would like to be first with any um, questions or thoughts from the audience here? Old Dan. Go ahead, uh, Dan. Darwin, uh, two points. Number one, splendid presentation, both in style and substance. Number two, what is the source of your illustration of Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness? About the best I've ever seen. Uh, Dan, I can get that to you. Um, I, it, it'd be a little bit hard for me to give it to you immediately, but um, I can get that to you by text probably later today. Uh, do you have, I don't, I, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I can receive text. You have my, my number? Or, or email. I have um, I have Dan's email address. I can provide that to Darwin. Great, thank you. Thank you, Dan. And um, who will be next? Thank you, Darwin, for constructing um, a very uh, flourishing um, understanding of these verses, and I really appreciated that. And say amen to what you shared. 
Um, I would, if you would, if you're open to this, could you do a little bit of deconstruction? <laughs> uh, give us, give us some, as you think of the theology behind some of those songs, what is being lost there? I, mean, I think it's pretty, maybe apparent, but I would like to hear you um, just pound on that a little bit. What, what is maybe behind some of that theology and what is lost here? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think that I, I find that that many people in singing songs like this, and I have sung these songs most of my life, um, the, the thinking is that, you know, the present age is, you know, is just wanting. It's, it's lacking God's presence. And, and what we need is just to go to heaven, and then everything's going to be fixed. And what I'm, what I'm coming to is realizing that um, the, the existence in heaven is being prepared and has been prepared already in the lives of people today. And like we can already walk in that presence now. And this is um, very exciting, very exciting to me. I, I fear that uh, when, if we have just a desire for the glittering palaces and um, meeting my mother in the skies, and walking on streets of gold, and we have all these kinds of, um, you know, fancies of, of, um, you know, the the images that we have come to know as as heaven. Uh, it, it bothers me. It bothers me deeply that somehow missing from that is just the joy of being in the presence of God. Like David wanted to be in the presence of God all the days of his life. And like, like how, does, how did that get substituted for something like going and, and meeting, you know, a, a family member who no longer is with us? You know, how did that get traded off for having a mansion, you know, which, which uh, in the imagery of, uh, of our day and age is is just you know materialism you know how did that get how did that trade-off happen i don't i don't really know the how that all came to be but i, I think that's a a definite and distinct loss and you know may we come to have such an appreciation and a love for our lord jesus that the greatest glory will simply be to see him face to face the one whom we now presently walk with, obey, and follow. We can see him face to face. And what greater, what greater anticipation can there be than that? Amen. Thank you. I really appreciated what you shared, and you definitely um, helped, helped me understand new things this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Brandt. Is there anybody else who would like to um, share any thoughts or questions? Okay, well, um, once again, I want to thank you, Darwin, for um, coming on here this morning and sharing. It's been, a, it's been an inspiration. I think it's uh, something that uh, many of us have not been um, familiar with, this understanding. But um, like you were um, responding there to Brother Bryant, how uh, the, the promise is actually to us now in this time and not something to a future age where we walk in some kind of... Um, um, yeah, yeah. Just the, the imagery, like you like you expressed, is um, so prevalent and oftentimes very you know essential. We have these streets of gold and mansions and all of that, where in fact um, the Lord 
excuse me, the Lord calls us to walk as he walked. And mm -hmm. uh, may that be our experience. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, so maybe uh, we'll just close here with the word of prayer. Um, and then I do have a comment following that. I'm just going to read one comment here that came through the chat. It says, just a comment. I appreciate Brother Darwin. You bring in the new and living way through the rending of the curtain. It is such a blessing and privilege to the people of God that they can now look forward to dwelling in those mansions through this way that Jesus has prepared. The challenge for us is to live, to now live a holy life today so that we can be prepared for those mansions. So maybe um, we'll close here with prayer. Then we do have a, an announcement following uh, prayer for an upcoming uh, plans. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you at this time for your um, presence among us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that uh, comes and, and uh, makes uh, its abode with us. We thank you that uh, we can not only look forward to um, future glory, but that we have glory in this life. That you have um, prepared a way that we can, can, um, can be abiding in you. That we can walk as you walked even, even now. And that um, this life is not a dreary uh, time to endure until some future time where we can have mansions. But rather, that this is a time of, of glory in, in walking with you. And uh, Lord, may that be our experience. If it's not our experience, Lord, if you would... Um, patience with us and uh, draw us into that uh, place. Thank you for your word, and we thank you for Brother Darwin being willing to share with us here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, just uh, two announcements here. Uh, the first is uh, next week, we do have an upcoming uh, topic on Afghanistan, and um, Brother Bryant, maybe you want to just um, share a minute or two on that before um, moving on to the next announcement, if you would. Sure. Yeah, so we did have Brother Jundee um, scheduled for to talk about what is the kingdom of God, um, and he kindly uh, was willing to move his talk to a later um, so we could uh, focus on something that's actually very um very needed uh, right now. Um, and that's particularly Afghan refu refugees uh, coming into North America and ways that we can help. And so um, Lord willing, we plan to have three brothers on uh, here next um, Saturday morning talking about different ways uh, that we can help. Um, so we can, yeah, um, be praying about that. But there's, there's two of the brothers are, are still contemplating. Uh, there's some security issues here. Um, and so if, if there is, uh, anyone here on the call, um, who, who is involved with helping Afghan refugees in any way, or is connected to, um, this work, uh, and would like to share, or could give me some resources or people who they know that are involved in this, I'm open to any leads, um, so yeah, obviously it's a huge need, um, it's just incredibly sad, what all is happening there. Um, I'm sure that uh, most of us here have seen the news with the recent, the drone strike that happened in the last two or three weeks, how that actually was sad either way. But um, the person that was killed, the African that was killed was um, a gentleman who's, who was working with humanitarian aid organization was not um, an actual Taliban or um, I guess, ISIS person as, as they thought he was. Um, so yeah, just, it just seems like Afghanistan right now is just um, so much sad news that's going on there. And obviously thousands of, of, of refugees have hit North America um, with no place to go. And I think it's a unique opportunity for us to rise up and help at least uh, know how to pray. And so uh, yeah, any kind of resources or, or information uh, once you're involved in this, please pass them on to us, and that'll be our, our focus uh, next next Saturday morning. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for that. And you can reach out to any of the admins on Strength to Strength, and we can um, get that to Brother Brian. And then um, we have one more announcement, and uh, Brother Sam there uh, from Alberta, are you here with us? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
And if you would want to just um, go ahead and share on the second announcement. Sure. Um, so we're excited to launch a new platform uh, here on Strength to Strength called Strength to Strength Sisters. And the purpose of this is to encourage women to be catalysts in advancing the kingdom through encouragement, teaching, and testimonies of women past and present, and to stimulate thought-provoking discussion. Now, all sisters are welcome to join and participate through Zoom or by phone on the first Saturday of every other month. And this meeting will be led by an invited guest for inspiration and teaching, and it'll be followed by a time of Q&A, just as this one is. Um, and we host women speakers who are supportive of Christ-centered, kingdom-focused, scripture-based way of life, specifically as modeled by the Anabaptist tradition. The purpose for this, um, this strength to strength that we hold every Saturday morning has been such a tremendous blessing um, for the brothers. And it has been largely um, for brethren from all over. So we wanted to provide a platform on Saturday afternoons um, where the sisters could get together. And it is women only. Um, if your wives and daughters and sisters would like to participate, if they go on to the Strength to Strength website, website, there is links on there where they can uh, join a WhatsApp or a um, Telegram group where the information for these uh, meetings will be posted. And again, it's every other month, the first Saturday of the month at 3.30 afternoon, and it is sisters only. So spread the word. Thank you, Sam. And um, as you may or may not have announced, the first one is October 2, and it starts at 3.30 in the afternoon. And that one will be by Tanya Taylor. Dean Taylor's wife, Tanya. Again, that's October 2 at 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. All right. Um, thanks again for everyone who's um, joined us here this morning. And um, thanks again, Darvin, for uh, sharing with us. And blessings on your, on your day and on your week. God bless. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.